absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is your type of weather. We're talking about almost three feet of snow. We're talking about whiteness all over the place. We got dumped on the last couple of days. I live in Jersey. We got dumped on the last couple of days. Last I checked. We're talking about 25 to 30 inches of snow. We're talking about two, two to two and a half feet of snow. It's crazy out here. Just came in trying to get myself together for this show. And it is what it is. Uh, Now we're going to be talking about today. But before I do that, the number to call in is 347-637-3220. 347-637-3220 is a place to be nice and snugged up next to the fireplace or nice and warm and toasty because it's a little chilly outside and it's a little frightful outside if you don't like the snow. And I'm not one to like the snow, but I got to do what I got to do. You got a regular J-O-B you got to get to. got to dig yourself out. Whether you work on the weekends or, you, or you're getting ready for Monday, you got to get yourself together. Don't wait till the last minute. It's frightful out there. Let me put let me put it that way. <clears throat> a lot better than it was. A lot better than it was. For those who um, are on the um, eastern seaboard, uh, hopefully you got through this storm safely. Um, don't take, take too many chances. If you're not used to doing strenuous work, um, take it easy out there. You know, you can get out there and start shoveling. And all of a sudden, um, you're not feeling too well because you're not used to that strenuous type of work. So you got to pace yourself. A lot of stuff out there, walking in the snow, um, drifts, there's a bunch of drifts out there. There's a whole bunch of things out there. You just, it's a white uh, wintertime experience right now. So like I said, I gave you the number. Uh, we do have a chat room sitting out there if you want to jump in that chat room. And ask a question, make a statement or a comment. You can do that in that chat room. I do that just for you and you only. Uh, what you put in it is what you're going to get out of it. Uh, understand that. Uh, don't come foul because foul can come back to you. Understand that. 
All right, there's two things on the agenda I want to talk about, and anything else that may happen to jump up. Um, I'm going to talk about the two matchups, uh, fantasy-wise, two matchups. We didn't talk too much about it yesterday when the FSP show. We only picked winners and losers who we like uh, in those uh, two matchups. Now we're down to, to the final four. So the two matchups are quite naturally, if you don't know, and you got to be um, in the igloo in the uh, North Pole somewhere or Alaska and, and not know what's going on in football. Denver Broncos are hosting the New England Patriots, a matchup, 17th matchup between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. I know you heard that over and over again. It's probably been, been at nauseum on TV about how this may be the last matchup of these two, but you never know. Um, Tom Brady is definitely coming back next year. Peyton Manning's a different story. And then you got what I think is the better matchup and more interesting matchup, and that's the one of the two Heisman Trophy winners, Carson Palmer, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, Heisman Trophy winner uh, in 2002, and first pick of that draft uh, when he came out. And then we have Cam Newton, quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner in 2010, if I do believe, or nine, whatever, and also a number one pick. This is the more interesting and more intriguing matchup. Never in the course of history has two Heisman Trophy winners and two quarterbacks that were picked first in their respective drafts matched up against each other. I'm really excited to see that. Um, two, two of the highest scoring offenses in the league also. Two uh, have very extremely good defenses also. So you got uh, I'm going to break this down, try to break it down for you, and, and we can, uh, uh, um, if you like, you can call in, you can debate um, the fantasy-wise of those things. But first I want to talk about the tight ends, tight ends um, in fantasy. Now, I did the running backs. I did the um, quarterbacks. I did the uh, wide receivers. Quite naturally, you know how bad I did with the wide receivers. Wasn't too bad with the quarterbacks. Um, not that bad uh, uh, with the uh, wide receivers. Running backs were really supposedly my forte, and I really crapped out. But you and I and um, I'm not making any excuses. But it seems like the big time running backs, a lot of them sustained injuries, whether they were, um. Not season-ending injuries, but injuries that kept them out for considerable games or season-ending injuries. So you can't account for that, but it is what it is, um, and you have to live with it and move on and help to hope to have some fantasy luck. And I always talked about fantasy luck. You got to have some type of fantasy luck um, to succeed in fantasy. You can pick the best players uh, on your team. You have an awesome lineup. But if they don't stay healthy, that doesn't do you any good. You just be in the dumper. So anybody who had Le'Veon Bell, um, who picked them high, Jamal Charles, who picked them high, um, maybe not uh, uh, Iron Forster, um, and some other uh, uh, um, 
running backs, like Eddie Lacy, but it was mainly – well, he was injured, uh, dealing with a lot of injuries, but mainly because of poor play. It killed, for the most part, unless you were lucky enough to pick up a, 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 um, a jewel on the waiver wire, it hurts you um, because your number one pick and a lot of these running backs were your number one pick hurt you um, considerably. And then you had to make up ground more or less, unless you had a strong enough lineup to uh, not have it affect you that much. And and it is what it is. I mean, like I said, you, you, you can pick out the players, the best players. And I've seen it on many of fantasy league this week, this year, this past year, picked out an awesome lineup, an awesome lineup. Looked like that, you know, the lineup, whoever they were going against would blow the, their competition away. But for that injury bug, and I've seen it, the injury bug takes you down at the most inopportune time, and you can't do anything about it. So you you can have all the knowledge in the world, but you got to have some fantasy luck in order for it to work. If you don't have any fantasy luck, uh, then you'll be be, be uh, singing the tune of a lot of um, fantasy players in their respective leagues saying, wait till next year. Because the fact is, uh, injuries torpedoed your fantasy <clears throat> lineups, and you can't do anything about that. You try to make the best of it, but you can't. One thing you can't control: you can't control injuries, um, and it can happen. And hopefully, it doesn't happen for you. But when it does, you just have to uh, deal with it. Basically, that's all this. It is. Just deal with it. All right. I don't know what to go through first. Do I want to go through tight ends, or do I want to go through these two matchups? Um, you play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. So let's play to win the game, all right? And, and uh, let's talk about our um, tight ends and my projections of the tight ends and how they really came out. My tight tight, excuse me, my top tight end. Believe it or not, I was at one point, and uh, basically it's a no-brainer. Really, it's a no-brainer. I had picked uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski to be uh, the um, top tight end in fantasy, and uh, guess what? <clears throat> he was. He was. He had uh, seventy-two receptions, uh, and he, but he didn't lead the league in receptions because he was dealing with injury. But he had seventy-two receptions. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, uh, 1,100 yards, most for the, for the tight ends, and uh, he didn't even have the most t- touchdowns. He had 12 touchdowns, and he wasn't even targeted at, uh, that much more. I mean, uh, I said that much more. He wasn't even targeted the most, 120 targets and uh, 72 receptions. Eh, that's, that's okay. It's not all that great. It was okay. 
So Rob Gronkowski uh, really uh, came through came through for me. And but you know what? In my opinion, that was an easy pick. That was an easy pick. My second pick, Jimmy Graham. Now I should have known better than to pick Jimmy Graham. Number two tight end going from uh, the pass-happy New Orleans Saints to the run-happy Seattle Seahawks, who very rarely use the tight end. They use him, but he very rarely uses the tight end. Jimmy Graham finished outside the top 10, top 15. Uh, According to the ESPN rankings, he finished 17th. And he only had 48 catches, which is absolutely crazy because I think he had close to 100, if not 100 catches last year when he was with the uh, Saints. Uh, 605 yards. And um, um, only two touchdowns. So I'm going to take a quick break. And... We'll be uh, right back because I, I got to do a pause for the cause here for a minute, people. So we'll take a quick break and, and we'll be right back. Bear with me. Thursday night is the right time to kick back and listen to the FSP Crew Show as they break down the weekend sports and prepare you for Thursday night football. 8 p.m. Eastern, just before the game starts. Jerry the Master Taylor hosts the show with Jeff the Joker Goldberg and Mike the Bookie Monster Wright. The three gentlemen debate and discuss a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything on the FSP Crew Show every Thursday night on blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K, 8 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. You can listen at spotonradio.webs.com after the show as it streams 24-7, 365. And listen to other informative programs as well. Information, motivation, variety. All right, people, we are back. And uh, we're talking tight ends. And like I said, uh, Jimmy Graham only had 40-something catches and uh, uh, 48 catches, not even half, 50 catches, not even half of what he – he he produced before 605 yards and two touchdowns, 73 targets. It that and you know what? Um, I, even if he stayed healthy, I couldn't see his number coming up going up dramatically from that. Um, I wouldn't even think he would got a thousand yards because he wasn't really targeted that much. And the passing attack of the uh, Seattle Seahawks looked like it really picked up after. Ironically, it really picked up after Jimmy Graham. Um, went down with an injury. They see the injury ending injury. So um, I'm going to adjust my uh, rankings accordingly going into 2016 fantasy season because I, 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 in my opinion, he'll be lucky to be ranked in the top 10 because I don't believe that he's going to be used as much as uh, um, uh, he was in New Orleans or even close to that. Uh, but you, you, you never never know, uh, but I, I really don't believe that he will be. Let me put it that way. Uh, the next guy on my list was um, uh, Travis Kelsey. Had him number three, uh, according to ESPN and their rankings, and this is just for standard. Uh, 
um, Travis Travis Kelsey. I wasn't too far off. He came in at uh, I had him at number three. He came in at num- number seven. Uh, a little inconsistent. Um, had some issues uh, in in the middle of the season. Uh, only had fifty two catches for six. Uh, excuse me. Had seventy two catches for eight hundred and seventy five yards. Um, five touchdowns. Targeted 101 times. He was even targeted more than, um, well, quite naturally, Jimmy Graham was hurt. But he was targeted, uh, one of the few tight ends that was targeted over 100 times. Um, in fact, the top five tight tight ends, um, in fact, the top ten tight ends, uh, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, and you had... Out of the top ten tight ends, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, eight that were uh, targeted over a hundred times. Uh, so that's the key. You had um, Jason Witten, who's who's at just out of the top ten. He was also targeted uh, over a hundred times. But uh, um, let's move on to number four. Now this this guy. I think he's finally getting his respect. Let me put it that way. I think he's finally getting his respect. Um, I picked him up last year in the eighth round or something like that, which is absolutely – that's pretty crazy for a, a top two tight end. Top two, top five tight end, I should say. That's that's pretty crazy. Eighth round, um, eh, but the production was – Crazy. He had crazy production, uh, and um, not the, not top two, but he had he had real good production, and he was real reliable, and he knew that he was going to be involved week in and week out in the respective offense. And I'm talking about my number four pick, who came out number five, because I, I was almost spot on with that. I had Greg Olson. And uh, this is what I said. He topped 1,000 yards last year, finishing fourth among all tight ends in targets. One of the steadiest pass-catching tight ends in the league. Now, that's what I said pre-2015 um, season. I had him number four. He wound up number five. 77 catches, 1,104 yards, uh, which was the second highest uh, in yardage in for tight ends. He only had seven touchdowns, but he was targeted uh, 123 times. One of Cam Newton's, quite naturally, uh, only paid attention, one of Cam Newton's favorite targets. Um, And he had back-to-back more than 1,000 yards uh, receiving. And I I, I don't see that changing, even when Kelvin Benjamin comes back. And it may be uh, Devin Funches who uh, was got more and more included when he finally became healthy and finally uh, um, played a lot uh, uh, more um, uh, that uh, Devin Funches was included in the uh, offense. That uh, Greg Olson, a old um, reliable, is going to be a thousand yard re- receiver for a tight end, or I should say, having thousand yards recept- reception yards for a tight end. Uh, that's his back-to-back years. I can't see it not changing uh, next year. Uh, so I can definitely believe that he will be in my top five, probably, in, in tight end rankings next year. 
Now, this other guy, this next guy, who I ranked number five, quite naturally he got hurt. He usually starts off September hot as hell, and then he he peters out. And um, what I had said about Martellus Bennett, who I ranked number five, has gotten steadily better each season while leading all tight ends in targets. Um, And Gase was still there. Uh, The offensive quarter made spectacular use of Julius Thomas in Denver, specifically in the red zone. And when he was healthy, um, he was an effective option for Jay Cutler in that Chicago offense. 53 catches, 439 yards, three three receiving touchdowns, uh, and he had 80 targets. Now, quite naturally, his season was cut short um, for multiple injuries, and eventually he went on the IR. Like I said, you can't um, do anything about uh, injuries. That's that's just the fantasy luck that you have. My next guy I had uh, in the, at the number six position out of the um, Philadelphia Eagles organization, he wound up um, – Tenth, tenth in my rankings. I had him at number six, which is not bad. He he, he exceeded my expectation. No, he didn't exceed my expectations. He wound up tenth. I'm talking about the tight end, uh, the uh, very um, athletic tight end from the Philadelphia Eagles, in Zach Ertz. Um. I, he had 75 yards, and we're talking strictly out of ESPN. 75 catches, 853 yards. The only problem I had with Zach Ertz, he wasn't targeted that much or didn't get uh, um, enough love in the red zone and only had two touchdowns. But he was one of the top 10 tight ends that um, were targeted over 100 times. He was targeted 111 times. So I got to believe that uh, with the uh, Doug Peterson, with the experience he had with Travis Kelsey in in um, Kansas City, and the way that Andy Reid's offense uses the tight end, that Zach Ertz will be used um, since he since Peterson is very familiar with the um, Philadelphia um, offense, and specifically with Zach Ertz because he was with Andy Reid when Zach Ertz was a member of that team, and Andy Reid was uh, the head coach, and Peterson was a uh, a member of that coaching staff, that Zach Ertz will be steadily be used in uh, the uh, passing offense of the Philadelphia Eagles. This, the next guy on my list um, started off the year very slow. He was he, he uh, very slow. Um, injuries slowed him down. Uh, he came on later on the season for the um, Jags offense. He wound up um, below, not uh, below my expectations. I had him number seven. I'm talking about Julius Thomas. He wound up number 15, according to the ESPN standard rankings. Only 46 catches. Only 455 yards with just the 46 catches and 455 yards. um, He exceeded uh, the amount of touchdowns, doubled it, plus one, the amount of touchdowns that Zach Ertz had. Now, Zach Ertz was the top 10, one of the top 10 tight ends. 
Now, imagine if he had uh, accumulated more than two touchdowns. Out of the top ten touch, tight ends, and I, and I just realized this, out of the top ten tight ends, Zach Ertz is the only one that had only two touchdowns. Everyone else had at least uh, five touchdowns or more. So imagine even he was targeted 111 times. So maybe he should have been targeted more in the red zone. Then he probably would have cut that top 10 uh, ranking in half, been up in the top five. I would think so. Because uh, you, you would have to think that, well, give him three more touchdowns. That, that would put him up uh, at least four, four more spots. Sixth, seventh, somewhere around there. But he only had two touchdowns, and he wound up in the top ten. So I look for Zachers to be uh, more effective and to probably be used more in the red zone as we go into the 2016 season. Now this old, uh, and I'm telling you, he's, he's an old guy. He's been around for a while. He's been a BFF for um, Philip Rivers for forever. In 2014, he finished fifth among tight ends in catches and seventh in year in yards, I should say. Only Rob Gronkowski scored more fantasy points. Antonio Gates is likely to remain undervalued, even coming off a monster year. Now, he did have a monster year um, in 2014, uh, but injuries uh, de- depleted his production um, and the the way the offense was run uh uh, uh, in in uh, performed, I should say, in in, in San Diego, uh, it was uh, injury riddled, including Antonio Gates, who who had injuries that he was dealing with during the year. Uh, he only had 56 catches for 630 yards. He did score five touchdowns, and he had 84 targets, less than 100 targets. So he was uh, affected by his injuries all around: targets, receptions, yardage. Uh, he did have five touchdowns, which is uh, 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 not bad for a starting tight end. And, but he, he finished outside the top ten uh, in my rankings. So I, I, he 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 uh, um, uh, was disappointing in the fact that I had him eighth and he finished out of the top ten, 15, I mean eleventh, uh, just short of the top, uh, out of the top ten. Which is not bad. I mean, he finished 11th. I had him at number eight. So, um, and imagine if he had uh, a couple more games. Uh, he did have one game, I think it was against Kansas City, where he was uh, absolutely uh, pulled out a donut fantasy-wise. So, uh, I would think that uh, Philip Rivers would use him more as long as he can stay healthy and be just as effective or close to as effective as he's been in the past. Right, let's move on to the next guy. Um, who I thought was going to have a big season, and it turned out uh, a huge disappointment. A huge disappointment. He finished outside the top 25, and uh, he was there was few and far between games that uh, Jordan Cameron had that were fantasy relevant, 35 catches, 386 yards, 
three touchdowns, 57 targets. So just about for every 10 targets, excuse me, just about for every reception, he had a touchdown. Um, so 38, uh, less than, uh, more than uh, uh, 10 receptions uh, for each touchdown he scored. So he was very ineffective. And I got a caller on the line. I do believe I, my fellow Jersey guy who uh, I don't know if he's dug himself out or not is on the line. Jeff, the Joker living up in North Jersey. He got pounded probably just like I did out in the central Jersey. Jeff, my man, how you doing? And how you making hey, out Jerry. with uh, this huge snow? Yeah. Uh, I did some shoveling yesterday. Now I got to psych myself up to go out and uh, shovel some more. I mean, I hear you. They were saying the North was supposed to get a little less than the central and the South Mm kind of a little bass backwards. And of course, you know, I'll I'll tell you, I'm going to start reading a farmer's almanac or something for weather because, you know, these cats, (laughs) they got satellites, they got all kinds of computers and they're not very accurate. And, so the thing is, uh, I don't know what the parking situation is like where you, where you reside, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, in some of the more urban neighborhoods, you know, uh, uh, parking spots get very sacred after a snow, and you know, and then you spend a lot of time shoveling out a spot. Sometimes it's like a cocoon. It's crazy, you know, and, and, and then people save the spot. With chairs and whatnot, I I, I once <laughs> yep. saw somebody's dining room set saving a spot. It's nuts. Wow, if you're Are not you used serious? to seeing it, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you would have believed the stuff I've seen. I mean, I've seen tires saving a spot, well, garbage yeah, cans. Yeah, but, but you know, you can't. But you see, if you're smart, you can't just put a garbage can. You got to put snow in it so it won't blow away. You know, <laughs> um, I, I once had a timeshare on a parking spot because, uh, you know, I shoveled it out and, you know, I was going to be at work all day and I knew somebody who worked nearby and I'm like, listen, you know, when I leave for work, I'll put the chair in the spot and then you pull in, take the chair out. And then when you leave work, put the chair back. And then this way we don't have a good spot going to waste all day, you know? So that, that's what people got to do. You don't always know somebody who works nearby when you're at work, you know, but right. you can get a timeshare on a spot, a spot. That's terrific. And sometimes people honor your chair, sometimes not, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and that could lead to shooting sometimes in the worst scenario. Um, I, I think I might've tuned in late. I, I think you, you might've failed to neglect. You might've failed to mention something important about Antonio Gates. Wasn't he suspended the first four games of the season? Yes. Yes, that's right. You know, I had yeah, I, I failed to neglect that. He was suspended the first four games of the season, and that definitely uh, hindered the type of production he had. Uh, and then he he was, he was dealing with some um, some injuries because of as you get older, father time um, catches up with you. And I think he was dealing with some other injuries too, um, and uh, that also hindered his uh, um, production. So, and, and the fact is, uh, when he was playing. Uh, you, if you remember, Antonio Gates got into a uh, – uh, which was very rare to see because he's not that – you didn't think he was that type of guy. He got into a shouting rat match with Phillip Rivers on the sideline when they were playing Kansas City because Kansas City shut him out completely. In fact, Phillip Rivers, I don't think 
may have, may have thrown one or two passes his way, and that's about it. Um, and and uh, Antonio Gates, I guess, being the type of diva uh, at that time, I guess, um, tight end, decided to give um, Philip Rivers an ear, earful. So, it, I, I think that was a big deal about nothing. And you know what? I mean, Fertile Phil, that's what I call Rivers, he yells mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, usually I think it's a positive energy. I don't think he's a baby like a Jay Cutler who who he hates, you know. They're going to battle mm-hmm. for the title of uh, Captain Redneck. And you know, <laughs> you know what's great about Fertile Phil is that um, he doesn't swear. Because, they, they, you know, if you ever see him, they don't have to beep anything out. And, and I've, I heard uh, – you know, I think somebody else who plays in the AFC West, who's played him a bunch of times, says, you know, he's like saying, hey, you know, let's move the ball good and golly or whatever he says. You know, he right. never swears, they say, or almost no, never he, swears. He never he never swears. He's, he's supposedly the, a very religious person. Um, and yes. uh, and just so you're right, uh, um, be fruitful and multiply, I think, is his mantra because uh, – <laughs> <laughs> because just like you say, he's further Phil. I think he's got eight kids now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, and uh, who knows if uh, they're going to stop there. Um, uh, so, and those are just uh, the eight with his wife. You don't know if there's any got any extracurriculars going on. I know? don't think you know. I, I don't. I don't think that he's that type of guy. I think he's he's a the type of guy that uh, is extremely loyal, and you would never see him getting in into any kind of. Um, a situation that would uh, tarnish uh, his reputation as as being a, a family guy with um, um, a uh, almost a oof, almost a, a starting um, offensive uh, side of the ball uh, NFL team or football team, I should say. So um, it is what it is. Uh, I'm going down this list, and I, like I said, I had Antonio Gates at number eight. In my rankings prior to the 2015 season, uh, I wasn't too far off. He wound up 11th, just outside my top 10, but within the top 25 that I had, or top 20 I had. So that's not too bad. And then I had talked about Jordan Cameron. Now, I'm, I was real surprised. I think um, because the way Charles Clay, who moved on to Buffalo, was used uh, the prior year um, in, in uh, uh, Miami, that uh, Ryan Tannehill would would not skip a beat using Jordan Cameron. I don't know if they had a personality conflict. I don't know if Ryan Tannehill's focus went away from the tight end position and, and more to the wide receivers or, or the offense was dictated that um, you don't use a tight end that much. But when you had a talent that of Jordan Cameron, and he would stayed healthy for the, for the most part of the year, if I'm not mistaken, and while he was in Cleveland, and he moves on to Miami, you would think you would want to take advantage of that. But Jordan Cameron, uh, um, uh, Jeff, was, like I said, used very little. And I'm trying to find his, uh, um, his, his very little. I, I said it already, 35 catches, 386 yards, which is I, I, I don't understand, and three touchdowns. And I was targeted 30. Uh, 70 times. So half the amount of targets he caught uh, and he used three of those for a um, touchdowns. And so that's what I'm saying was that for every 10 catches, 
just about he caught a touchdown. Um, I, 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 you know, I think in the last last couple of games they were using him more, but to be use uh, underutilizing a talent, in my opinion, when he when he when he's healthy, at Jordan Cameron, another athletic uh, tight end, is uh, a, a dis, doing a disservice for the offense and 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 uh, um, and uh, hindering. Um, more production out of the offense when you don't have uh, full use of your all your assets. You throw it to the wide receivers. Um, quite naturally, the wide receivers aren't always open, but more than likely the tight end is sitting there waiting for you to throw him the ball because he's usually in the middle of the field and uh, in front of you and a safer throw. And I would think Ryan Tannehill will take advantage, but he never did. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, usually – uh, you bring in a guy, you pay him good money, uh, you're going to use him. I mean, this is it, – it doesn't make sense. And I guess this is what lousy teams do. You know, yeah. who knows? Maybe the GM liked him more than the coach did. Uh, the thing is, Miami did have pretty good wide receivers this year. But even so, you, you could still get it to uh, a receiving tight end. Another problem with that is kind of like with the uh, Jimmy Graham situation – uh, Cameron isn't a great blocker. So what is he there right. for then? You know? Right. Uh, and I'm curious. Uh, now, also, with, with Cameron, um, uh, I think a lot of fantasy uh, people, uh, people who follow the close, get excited about him. But, you know, I mean, he already had some uh, uh, some good performance in Cleveland. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. his issue would have been injuries. Uh, but he definitely, when healthy, had had the talent and the production. People go crazy for a guy like him because he played hoops. So you always think, yes. oh, he's going to be the next Gonzalez, the next Gates, the next Jimmy Graham, uh, uh, the three Gs, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. and, but, you know, this guy, he's not an OG, you know. Uh, and not every guy who goes from hoops to football is going to be a star tight end. Now, True. I'm still scratching my head about, Jimmy Graham. I mean, uh, Seattle should trade him. I mean, I mean, easier said than done. But I mean, it was nuts. I mean, he's a lousy blocker, and and, you know. And then I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but then he gets hurt, and then the offense takes off without him. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I mentioned that before. Yeah, 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 I had mentioned Um, I had mentioned that before that it makes made no sense that as soon as he got hurt. It seemed like they became a little bit more pass happy. I don't know if it was a coincidence a because lot, of Marshall and Lynch. A lot. Also, and but they 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 became more pass happy, and that's when you saw Doug but, Baldwin and Tyler Lockett rack up some fantasy points. Well, I think it's you know the identity of that team is changing, and and, and people act like a team is going to be the same year after year. Well, it, it isn't always like that, and at this point, uh, you know Wilson, uh. He's been in the league. He's got a lot of experience at this point. So he's fully developed. And, you know, maybe his first couple of years, you know, uh, that great defense, great running game, all he had to do was, you know, make a few throws and be smart with the football. But now he's got the talent and the experience to throw it a lot. Uh, Lynch is probably gone. I mean, Rawls is pretty good. And, you know, because the salary cap and whatnot, you know, the, that defense is going to decline. And and those receivers just really busted out. Uh, I mean, uh, Baldwin, you know, and he, uh, 
he he really came out of nowhere. I mean, down the stretch, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and Lockett, I think uh, first or second year, so he's he's still got upside. So uh, uh, it, it happens. Uh, you know, teams' identities can you know change from year to year, and, and I think they're definitely becoming more of a of a pass offense. I'm sure they want to keep it balanced, but you know, the good coaches, the smart coaches, they they're about uh, getting it right, not being right. And they're willing to change, you know, to suit the talent and to win. I mean, a great example is Don Shula, you know, in the mm-hmm. 70s, loved to run the ball, you know, great running game, great defense. But, you know, he's no dummy. He's not going to keep running it just for the sake of running it. You know, successful people don't do that. And then they, they luck out in the draft get Dan Marino, and then, boom, they become the most pass-happy team in the league. Why? Because that's what they had the talent to do. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and let's say, like, uh, if, if Vince Lombardi hadn't passed away and he had a longer coaching career, I think he was the kind of person where he loved to run it, but if that wasn't working, he would have done whatever. And, and, uh, and that, that's, I think, a common trait with successful coaches. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next guy that I had below Jordan Cameron, which was uh, um, Jason Witten. Uh, He's a perennial top 10. Um, I had him at 10. He wound up, according to standard uh, scoring in ESPN, at number 12 uh, with 77 catches, um, 713 yards, and a paltry. And I'm surprised. And I think it was due to the – a quarterback play in, in, in Tony Romo being in and out of the lineup. He only had three touchdowns, but he was one of the, uh, in fact, he was the only, only tight end out of the top 10 over a hundred targets. He had 104 targets. Um, so he was a, definitely a pass option because the fact is Des Bryant um, injury or injuries, I should say, and Tony Romo, um, Brandon, Brandon Whedon, and um, I'm trying to think of who the other quarterbacks that were in there. Um, and it, Castle. the names of Castle and what was it, Kelly? Um, I'm trying to think of the other guy, Kellen Moore, I think it was, or something like that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that was, that, he was in that, there. that finished up the season. Uh, he was a safe throw, um, uh, because uh, of the really inconsistent play other than Des Bryant of the wide receivers that uh, Jason Witten was a, a, a safe throw. And I think he racked up a lot of targets, even though he may not have been a lot of receptions, he racked up a lot of targets because the fact is that he was Jason Witten. Um, if he wasn't blocking, cause he's a very good blocker. He's a uh, safe throw in the middle of the field. You can always rely on where he's going to be and when he's going to be there. Um, and I think he racked up uh, uh additional targets and quite naturally some receptions in the later part of the year. Um, but um, I was almost spot on there. I had him at uh, number 10. He wound up number 12. So that's not too bad. Then I had this guy um, and, and two of the <clears throat> two tight ends of the um, Indianapolis Colts suffered uh, because of quarterback play and um, the uh, play, the offense. First one I had when I had him listed at number eleven preseason. Flanders should offer a low tight end floor with a mid-range tight end ceiling, tight end one I should say, 
Uh, Fleener's role could even expand if, if uh, Andre Johnson's skills have declined, which he did. Uh, Andre Johnson's have, skills have declined. I'd be surprised he's still on that team um, in the 2016 season because uh, he basically just taken up space where he could probably use Philip Dorsett in that position. Um, uh, so Kobe Fleener, I had him at number 11. He finished at uh, uh, number 21, uh, according to ESPN, with 54 catches. 491 yards, three touchdowns, and 85 targets. Now, quite naturally, he was splitting it with Dwayne Allen, uh, and we'll get to Dwayne Allen, but uh, two two pass-catching tight ends. One is strictly a, a pass-catcher. The other one, Dwayne Allen, is a pass-catcher, and he's a, a pretty good blocker, too. Um, and they use both of them, and so they can't pretty much cancel each other out um, in the tight end position. I'll get to those uh, when Dwayne Allen, he's a couple – Positions below Kobe Fleener had him, but Kobe Fleener wound up 21st instead of 11th, and I probably have him uh, probably where he ended up this year. I probably have him listed at that um, in the uh, up and coming year because I think, for the simple fact what I stated, that the uh, receptions are going to be split between two tight ends. Um, let me let's move on to the next one, and the reason I'm, I'm going to give Jeff. An, chance to comment on Kobe Fleener because I'm going to give him a chance to com- comment on Fleener and also this next tight end who played for the New York Giants. They had high expectations for this guy. He finished outside the top 25, um, wound up on the IR with 29 catches, 223 yards, and two touchdowns and 41 targets. And um, um, Will Ty looked like he would be the more effective tight end. But uh, I had uh, Larry Donald um, ranked 12th, um, and I thought he was going to uh, be a a um, reliable target and an asset for the giant offense, and he turned out not to be. So 10, uh, 11 and 12 had Kobe Fleener at 11. He finished 21st. I had Donald. He finished outside the 25. Um, what's your thoughts on those two uh, um, tight ends, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, it, for me, I only like Fleener in a really deep league or maybe uh, an, a high-end tight end, too. Now, Donnell was a guy I liked going into the season. I thought he had upside because uh, he was still learning a position. He played quarterback in college, and, and he he was playing okay. Um, it's funny though, when this is big for tight ends, yeah, he's unlucky. He didn't get to play against his own team, the Giants, because it, 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 when it comes to fantasy this season, if, if you were playing the Giants or the Raiders, there were a few other teams, you knew that tight end was going to produce. And that, that's huge when it comes to tight ends, probably more so than any other fantasy positions. But you know, the Donnell was okay. I, I mean, he had a couple things. I've never seen a guy trip as much and fall head first as much as Danell. It's, yes. I've never seen anything like it. It's like somebody tied his shoes together. And I, I think for years it's been a problem. I mean, this happens sometimes just the way the NFL is. It was. It's like the Giants have had a different starting tight end every year. And, I mean, it can happen. But, you know, I mean, I'm not kidding. I think it might have been five years in a row, different starting tight end. And, and Eli's – Usually pretty good. I mean, he's not a guy who goes to the tight end all day, but he doesn't really have favorites. His favorite's the open guy. 
Um, but when you've got a different starter every year, how are you going to get that? I don't like the term chemistry. I like rapport. You know, you want a little more continuity. Uh, I don't know if it's a salary cap issue or what. And I'll tell you, Ty looks pretty good down the stretch. I don't know what their plans are for next year. So, you know, Ty might be uh, a good sleeper heading into the next draft. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let, uh, let's move on to number 13. And uh, I already talked about this guy, and he finished outside the top 25. He really finished below Kobe Fleener. I'm not going to really give him my uh, give him uh, his statistics um, because really he 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 was used sparingly, even more sparingly than and then um, uh, Kobe Fleener. I'm talking about Dwayne Allen. I had him at ranked number 13th. He finished well out of the top 25, um, and, and uh, he doesn't warrant me giving him his, his statistics because, like I said, they were less than Fleener's. And I gave you the numbers on Fleener's. Now, this other guy, and I've loved this guy for the last two seasons. Um, he finished in the top uh, five. Uh, he was ranked sixth among NFL tight ends last year. And with 106 targets, um, and he had the most targets for the Titans. And um, consistency is what you want out of any skilled player, including the tight end. And he finished it in the top six in NFL tight ends last year. And guess what? He finished in the top five, according to ESPN standard uh, rankings. I'm talking about um, Mr. Delaney Walker, uh, the tight end from the uh, Tennessee Titans. He had the most receptions out for a tight end, which was 94. Had over 1,000 yards. He had 1,088. Had six touchdowns and this is unheard of, in my opinion. Um, and it was by far the most targets for any tight end. By far. It wasn't even, I mean, double digits was, was uh, the, the uh, gap between uh, Delaney Walker's targets, which is 134, and the next highest, which was uh, Gary Barnage and Greg Olson, which were, were tied for second with 123. Um, we're talking about targets – that a wide receiver would get, not much less a tight end. And I absolutely love this guy. He got no respect two years ago in 2014. I should, uh, yeah, two, two seasons ago in 2014. And you could pick him up in the draft on the cheap, and Jeff knows this. And also this year. Now, he may have got a little bit more recognition because of the fact that he, he had the most targets in 2000. Um, uh, he had he was targeted a lot in 2014, and you knew coming into the season, we talked about this before, Jeff, the best friend for a young t- uh, quarterback, especially a rookie, is the tight end. Very safe throw in the middle of the field, usually a big target and a safe throw. And, and with the Ken Wisenhunt offense and uh, in, in limited targets, in the wide receiver position, Marcus Mariota always, uh, targeted Delaney Walker a lot and it came up with six touchdowns, 94 receptions, and 134 uh, um, targets. Talk to me, Jeff. Delaney Walker, going forward, um, you think he's going to, I wouldn't say keep up those numbers, but stay within that range of a, a close to 1,000 yards and about 120 targets uh, each year? 
He could. I, I mean, uh, uh, I don't think the, the wide receivers are, are great in Tennessee. Uh, he, he very well could. Uh, you know, I was thinking, um, you know, I'm surprised. I, I don't remember seeing it in, in recently in the NFL that older possession-type receivers, that some of those guys don't get moved to tight end. I mean, I know yeah, it's a little different, mm-hmm. but – uh, I think maybe, you know, some guys, you know, like Andre Johnson or Marcus Colston, you know, uh, bigger receivers who maybe lost a step, maybe they could extend their careers by, you know, moving inside to tight end. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you, you know, another example of what how good coaches, they they just want to do what wins. Uh, I think uh, that in recent NFL history, I think the first team to use a double tight end as their pretty much base offense was uh, the Patriots when they had Gronk yep. and Hernandez yep. because that yep. was, you know, after they, you know, lost Randy Moss, their wide receivers mm-hmm. weren't that good. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 that put their best talent on the field. And it made more sense than having a lousy receiver on the field and a talented Hernandez on the bench. And they did it cause it worked. And, uh, yep. you know, uh, and now uh, Hernandez is in jail for uh, for murder. You know, go figure. Uh, well, and uh, Gronk's been able to stay healthy for a couple of years, uh, so he's you know. I-, I was starting to think when he had two years in a row with the injuries, you're wondering if he's ever going to get back right. to his old self. But but he was, and you know, it used to be a double tight end was considered a running formation. Now now it's frequently a passing formation. It just goes to show you how athletic some of these guys are. Well, yeah, and and, and you have to think this. And I keep saying this, and we've we both seen it. The NFL is a copycat league. And and, and I think um, um, the Patriots won with a double tight end set. So quite naturally, the next, next season, um, teams are looking for that dual threat tight end. Um, uh, a dual tight ends, I should say, and, and go that way. And just like the Seattle Seahawks, uh, when they won a Super Bowl, running the football and playing sound defense, um, then you saw teams trying to re- do, duplicate that. Uh, whatever it's the flavor of the month or whatever the Super Bowl winner um, seems like they do the best. Teams like to emulate that uh, formula, for, formula for success. And uh, – um, We'll see how this is going to play out because you got three of the four teams, in my opinion, this year that uh, try to run the football in uh, more more some than others in Carolina, in uh, Arizona, and in Denver, and then play sound defense. Uh, Patriots are, are a horse of another color. They don't really – Try to do that. They they use a run game. They use a short passing game as their run um, because they don't have the type of um, I guess offensive line or running back to be effective in the running game. But you got three teams that are basically set up to do the same thing: uh, run the football, play sound defense, and then when it, when the opportunity uh, arises, take shots down the field. But basically, they're a running team. Um, maybe the Arizona Cardinals are more of a vertical uh, uh, stretching team, but they still want to run the football, especially when they have running backs of the caliber of David or Chris Johnson. So 
we'll have to wait and see what happens in 2016 and what teams are trying to going to try to emulate what the um, um, Super Bowl winner uh, formula was to 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 success, successively win the Super Bowl. I got a feeling it's going to emulate one of the three teams uh, and not the odd team in the Patriots. So uh, with that being said, let's move on to the um, last five, six uh, that I have here with three minutes left in the game. I mean, three three minutes left in this game, which is the uh, 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 master plan. We're going to number 15. Now, I thought this guy with the absence of Jimmy Graham would step up and um, go – go to the forefront rather than the old guy on the team in the tight end position who wound up eighth in the top 10. I thought Josh Hill would be within the top 20. I had him at 15. He finished outside uh, the top 25. He wasn't even close uh, because Ben Watson jumped up to the old man, former Patriot, now a New Orleans Saint. 74 catches, and I'm talking about Ben Watson, not Josh Hill. 74 catches, 825 yards, six touchdowns, and 109 targets. Um, one of Drew Brees' favorite targets. Very reliable, old faithful, I would say, probably, they would say with um, Ben Watson. Uh, Josh Hill uh, was used sparingly, and uh, but Ben Watson was the main tight end for the offense in, in New Orleans. What's your thoughts on Ben Watson before we move on there? Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a big year for Hill. I also thought it was going to be a huge bounce-back year for the Saints, and it it, really, it wasn't. They didn't stink, but it wasn't the bounce-back. But, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it took some people by surprise. And uh, you probably already talked about Gary Barnett. Uh, that guy, nope. he wasn't a sleeper. That guy was a Cinderella. And yep. you don't see a lot of those in fantasy. No. Especially in a tight end position, Jeff. Especially in the tight end position, um, he came out of virtually nowhere. He's, it's not like he. This is the, his first year in the league. He's been in the league for a while. I've been been pretty, been pretty much um, um, a, a, a nobody. Let me put it that way. And he came became a somebody this year, and, and it really migrated. Uh, I shouldn't say migrated, but it really did make a difference. Um, what quarterback was in there? Um, he still was able to perform and. Didn't make a difference what what defense that he was up against. He wound up being the third, and I'll speak to him real quick because you brought him up. Gary Barnage became the third-ranked tight end, according to ESPN standard ranking, 79 catches, over 1,000 yards, which is 1,043, nine touchdowns, and 123 targets. Talking about all reliable, didn't make a difference what defense he went up against. Uh, He was able to perform quite naturally. Um, I think there was one of – uh, uh, less than a handful, less than a handful of games he played that he wasn't um, uh, uh, effective. But uh, uh, Gary Bonnage was definitely a, a sleeper. Let's move on to number 16. This guy was in and out of the lineup. He wound up out of the um, top 25, Austin Safarian Jenkins, uh, 21 catches, 338 yards, four touchdowns, 40 targets. So, uh, when he was in there, he was he was uh, effective, but he wasn't in there that much. And um, I, I would expect he has to be healthy in order to, and that was his problem, staying healthy uh, in order to be effective. And I think Jameis Winston going forward, 
uh, as he improves as a quarterback. Uh, besides getting the ball to Mike Evans or Vincent Jackson, he's going to include him in, in, in that plus six four um, receiving core. Him being the tight end, Austin Severian Jenkins, I'm talking about, uh, being able to get more targets, which equals opportunities, which equals uh, more receptions, and quite naturally, uh, more yardage, not necessarily more touchdowns, but you'd like to think he would get more touchdowns out of that also. Let's move on to number 17. Rudolph, uh, Kyle Rudolph was only 25 years old and should benefit from the Vikings' newfound system. Quarterback stability and Turner's uh, North Turner's system, who, which includes getting the ball to the tight end quite a bit. He only caught 49 catches with 495 yards, five touchdowns, and 71 targets. He was used more effectively toward the end of the season than he was in the beginning of the season. I think that had a lot to do not with the North Turner system, but with Teddy uh, Bridgewater being able to find him, which should be no problem for a big target like Carl Rudolph, but be able to use more uh, weapons on his offense. Um, I'm talking about Teddy Bridgewater and using Kyle Rudolph effectively. Uh, I still like him going forward. I think he's still going to be a top uh, 20 tight end. Um, But Teddy Bridgewater uh, is the – X factor in that he has to be able to get the ball to him. Uh, and he was inconsistent in, in the passing game for the most part. Uh, and the last two guys, the last three guys I'm going to talk about, they all wound up out of the top 20 or top 25 Heath Miller, Charles Clay, which is some surprise. I thought uh, Tyra Taylor would get to him. Uh, he was 19th. I had him ranked 19th. Uh, um, Charles Clay uh, coming from Miami to Buffalo and wasn't used as effectively as I thought he would. Um, he wound up on the IR. He only had 51 catches, 528 yards, and three touchdowns out of 78 targets. I imagine going forward, as long as he stays healthy, Tyra Taylor, uh, it will, he'll be one of the, his um, valuable weapons in that offense, which is a conservative offense. And the last but not least, uh, top 20 in a more balanced offense under uh, run-committed Kubiak, Dan. Daniels would be would do well to flirt with low end tight end one value. Peyton Manning made Julius Thomas a star. Well, that didn't happen um, with Owen Daniels. He finished outside the uh, um, top twenty, uh, and uh, he only had forty six catches, five hundred and seventeen yards, and three touchdowns and seventy seven targets. Um, I would think that. If Owen Daniels still stays with the uh, Broncos and Peyton Manning is not the quarterback next year, um, that he would be used more uh, with Brock Osweiler um, going forward than he was used this year because uh, he had a lot of inconsistent play. They used uh, um, two or three tight ends, including Vernon Davis, who came over from San Francisco. So he, I'm even – thinking that Owen Daniels may not be there next year. Who knows? I mean, he may be a favorite of Gary Kubiak, but if he can't perform the way he the Kubiak wants the tight end perform, he, perform, he may not be there. Jeff, I've named off the last three or four tight ends, Rudolph Miller, Charles Clay, Owen Daniels. Does, does any of them um, uh, tweak your interest? You know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the – uh, most interesting positions going into fantasy drafts is 
is the tight end because mm-hmm. I, I just can't bring myself to draft a guy early. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, seldom yeah. end up with a top tier tight end. Right. And uh, usually I wait till, you know, depending on the league, you know, maybe seventh, eighth, ninth round, because mm-hmm. I'd rather get my other starters first. And you exactly. know what? If the other guy gets, you know, Gronk, that's fine. Uh, you know, in the past two years, the, the, the Gronk risk has paid off, but uh, sometimes it doesn't pay off. And when you skip on a, a top-notch running back, quarterback, wide receiver for an elite tight end, if that tight end isn't killing it every week, your team could be a disaster. That's true. That's true. And that's I have the same philosophy. I wait late to pick up a tight end, um, uh, and I tried it. And, and and there are some decent tight ends, maybe not the consistent level as a Delaney Walker or Rob Gronkowski or Greg Olson, um, something like that. But as you can see that, um, and I didn't even talk about Jordan Reed now and and. and uh, um, Tyler Eifert. I haven't even talked about those two guys. And, uh, or Gary Barnage. Now, those guys were um, either um, picked up very late in, in, in um, drafts or picked off the waiver wire, as in the case of Gary Barnage. I don't think anybody, anyone, picked up Gary Barnage to the draft. I think he was strictly a waiver wire pickup for a lot of people who were fortunate enough to get a high um, priority order uh, uh, and, and being able to pick him up. Otherwise, um, he would being drafted, uh, and I, I don't have any statistics here, but I highly doubt he was ever drafted in anyone's draft um, because of the fact is Cleveland's um, uh, uh, tight end position. Um, path Jordan Cameron was nondescript. All right, Jeff, um, I'm about to get out of here. I'm about to relax. Uh, I've already did my digging out. Um, I've always, I'm just going to settle in now and, and get comfortable and wait for these two uh, football games to start. Um, the uh, very interesting matchups. I'm, and I'll say it again. I t- we talked about it on Thursday. I'm really excited to see two former Heisen Trophy winners, uh, two former uh, number one draft picks in their respective drafts for the first time ever, uh, which I think is more of a better, it more is more of a uh, um, intriguing matchup and uh, and look at than uh, Brady versus um, Manning for the seventeenth time. Um, so I'm really looking forward to these two teams, Arizona and Carolina, matching up against each other with these two quarterbacks with with two with two teams that are very similar in the way they approach the game. Uh I think that's the more intriguing and more interesting uh uh game to watch. What's your thoughts before we get out of here? I don't think you're ever a former Heisman winner unless you get the award taken from you like Reggie Bush. That that right. award is for life. There's no ex there's no expiration date on that. You're I think, right. Uh, I misspoke. Not not a big deal. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal. It cracks me up like when a, a commentator will say somebody's a former Texas Longhorn. It's like, no, he's an <laughs> alumni. You yes, know, you're not exactly. former. Yep. You know, unless you get kicked out, 
And believe me, a lot of guys, you know, there are huge NFL players, huge stars who have a lot of pride in their college and also in their high school. Absolutely. Know? And it came up once. I mean, not that I have an enormous pride in my high school, but I, I said once, you know, I'm not former Wayne Valley. I'm an alumnus. You know, mm-hmm. I graduated. I never went to another high school. I didn't get kicked out. I'm an alumnus. Right. So, right. And, uh, you know, Roger Stallback, you know, very bright guy. He said, you know, he knew Heisman was a huge honor. But he said he didn't think at the time, he didn't realize decades later he would still be introduced as a Heisman winner. But that that's how right. significant the Heisman right. is. Yep. Um, and, uh uh, yeah, so, uh, and, and I, I like the Heisman, I always have, and some people put it down for the wrong reason, because uh, it, it's not for the number one prospect, that's the number one pick, and it's not always the same guy. Mm-hmm. For the best college player, which exactly. is a great example, if it's, let's say, an option quarterback, that's not going to translate to the NFL, so mm-hmm. I, I'm fine with it going to a guy who, who you know, uh, who might not be a great NFL player, because that's not what it's for. It's just for uh, college excellence, uh, however you're going to define it. So, But, uh, yeah, I like Heisman trivia, and so there's going to be a Heisman winner uh, in in the Super Bowl, yep. and then he's going to have a chance to join the heavy hardware club. Yep. Now, just just think about this, and, and, and I'll say it right this time. Two Heisman Trophy winners, and you're right. When they introduce someone that wins the Heisman – they don't say um, uh, uh, just the – just say, for instance, um, Cam Newton, uh, quarterback for the uh, Carolina Panthers. They say uh, Carson Palmer, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. They say Heisman Trophy winner Carson Palmer of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it, that's and that distinction is not former. You're absolutely right. That um, uh, a name in in the title in in front of your name sticks for you for life unless you get thrown out of that club for whatever reason. Just like Reggie Bush, he he's no longer he's a former Heisman Trophy winner, I should say, um, um, uh, or uh, uh, whatever they title him now. But anybody who won a title. Um, Heisman Trophy winner Pete Dawkins, Heisman Trophy winner Carson Palmer, Heisman Trophy winner um, uh, Tim Tebow. Not former. You're absolutely right about that. And and um, and these guys going to maybe going just like you said, going to add another piece of hardware. Uh, other than a Heisman Trophy winner, they, they may even be the MVP. Besides being the MVP of the Super Bowl, they'll be MVP. Uh, winner uh, Heisman or Heisman Trophy winner and MVP or uh, whatever Super Bowl winner quarterback, but the Heisman is always in front of that person's name for life. All right, Jeff, um, enjoy the games. Um, pace yourself when you get out there, man, because it's 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 uh, um, pretty wicked out there. We're talking like I had said earlier um, between twenty and thirty inches. Of snow out there, yeah, uh, yeah. That's a lot of damn snow. I hate to say it like that, but I'm saying it like that. I, I, yeah. I've been out, I was out there um, for a couple hours uh, this morning digging out uh, um, two cars, 
and and uh it's it's treacherous out there and uh, um be careful out there uh for those who are digging yourselves out or helping people dig dig, dig themselves out um the weather the 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 cold air and, and the exercise if you're not used to it can catch up to you so uh just be careful and be safe out there and uh jeff uh we'll be I'll be talking to you on thursday eight p m eastern standard time where you and I will be sitting there talking on the f s p crew show about um the two participants in super Bowl fifty with that being said, tune in next week same time same place ten a m eastern standard time where i I will be here j t aka the master and this is the master plan enjoy the weekend. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to drop the mic and get out of here. See ya.